Now I'm reading from Acts chapter 3, <laughs> reading from verse 1 to verse 26. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John, my glasses are fogging up, sorry, I'll have to do this. Yes. <laughs> when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, and as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I, I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. What a wonderful thing. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's foot and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disown the holy and righteous one and ask that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given him this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ, who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring all peoples on earth will be blessed. God, when God raises up, raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. May the Lord bless his reading. Thank you, Paul.
one microphone into the door. Good to be here this morning, and uh, uh, it is a great old hymn, isn't it? How great thou art! Uh, some beautiful words in there, and uh, I think, as you notice, as we pick all the songs, hopefully you'll be noticing that what we try to do is to focus them in on what we're talking about during the day. So they're not just ad hoc songs. We just think, oh, they sound great. Uh, they, they do. We, uh, we like to make them focus in on what we're on about, and uh, that one does, doesn't it? Focuses in on who Jesus is and what He's done for us, and uh, the great news that we have in Him. So as we come to have a look at your, uh, the word this morning, let's ask God to help us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks, Lord, that you have uh, written down for us your word, that uh, the instructions that you have for us, uh, the way of life is before us, Lord. And uh, as we look at your word this morning, as we look to this story that we have recorded from Acts, Lord, we pray that we won't be people who will read it and forget. We won't be people who read it and uh, file it away where we don't think about it anymore but we'll be people who will read who will think who will be challenged who will be changed by your word lord we pray this in jesus name amen the other day i was reading about uh, what's happening for doctors around the place at the moment i don't know whether you know but uh, many doctors are found in a bit of a dilemma these days because often what they're trying to do is they have to prescribe things or make decisions on things without having all the evidence in their hands Sometimes when they see a condition, they go for something that they think might be able to help them, but they can't always be guaranteed that it will. But they've still got to go for it. They've still got to try to do that. Uh, But they find it difficult. Uh, They're in a dilemma. They try to do things, but sometimes they're just guessing sometimes with what they've got out there. So they find it hard. But to help overcome this, I've heard that recently there's a new thing that's out and about. It's called evidence-based medicine. Now, you might have thought that was what doctors work on all the time. (laughs) But actually, no, they don't always work on that. But some of them these days are actually not doing anything unless they've got complete and utter confidence in what's before them. It's called evidence-based medicine, where they take a good hard look, an empirical look at it, and unless they've got heaps and heaps of information, statistics that back it up, they don't do it. For example, it's not enough uh, to prove something that you have a, a blood test or a CT scan to detect cancer just for the sake of detecting it anymore. They're saying, well, is this going to actually help the person? Will the detection actually just say, well, you've got cancer and you're going to die anyway? Or is it going to help them? And they're not going to do it unless they have the evidence to say that this is worthwhile. It's called evidence-based medicine, making decisions on what you know on tests that have been proven. Well, over the past three weeks, I think we've been working through evidence-based Christianity. Piece by piece, Luke, in the, gospel, in the Gospel of Luke and in Acts, has been putting piece by piece for us evidence-based Christianity. He's putting a piece together to show you that what we have here is something that you can be trust. It can be proven. So that you can know for sure that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus truly rose from the dead and that he changes things that we can truly know that the death and resurrection of Jesus did happen and his ascension has made Christianity blast into the world. That's what he's been doing for us. He's been putting this together for us and today he does the same thing. But He's been going through and showing that Christianity is not a fad. It's not just something that's a passing phase. It's not like the mullet haircut that was here and gone only a couple of weeks ago for a few people in our congregation. But come and gone 
Or tattoos at the moment. They're really trendy, aren't they? It's a real fad to have a tattoo. He asked lots of people that he would not have thought, but they've got tattoos. They're there. Or Rubik's Cube or Pokemon for the kids. Or barracking for the George football team. It's the same thing. They're a fad. They come and go. Like people, you know, bands, the knack. One hit wonders and gone. Who remembers the Bay City Rollers? Oh, those tartan plaid things are pretty trendy, weren't they? <laughs> They're gone. Come and gone. That's what happens with fads. And that's what people was going to thought was going to happen with Christianity. But where are we? More than 2,000 years down the track and it's the biggest thing that has hit this world ever. Jesus blasted onto the scene and he's still blasting onto the scene. You see, we have evidence-based Christianity in Jesus. And today we're going to see more of it. We're going to see that Luke continues to bring that forward for us. In chapter 2, we saw the Holy Spirit burst onto the scene. We saw people speaking in different languages. We saw people responding. We saw 3,000 people come to know Jesus in one day. We saw a transformed community, a community that changed completely the way they did things. They loved and cared and looked after each other. They weren't just out to get their own. They weren't just out to get what they can get out of life. They were out to serve and love one another. And it was transforming stuff. People throughout that area were just going, wow, this is amazing. They saw it in the lives of people and they couldn't doubt it. They couldn't doubt that Jesus was real. And in verse 43, if you've got your Bibles open to Acts chapter 2, you'll see that there it says, Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Well, Acts chapter 3 says, here's one of them. Acts chapter 2 verse 43 says they were doing lots. Acts chapter 3 says let's focus in on one and see what amazing miracle happened. And look what happens in chapter 3. Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time for prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Notice initially that the Jewish Christians continued to do Jewish stuff. They still went up there. They still did the things that they were doing. They were going up to the temple to pray. Then look at verse 2. Now, there's a real irony in this, isn't it? Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. That's an irony, isn't it? Here we have a bloke who's crippled, who's probably disfigured, and there he sits under a, temp- a thing called Beautiful. See how he's picturing it? Something that should be beautiful isn't. You see later that this bloke is over 40 years old. He's over the hill. You know, some of you are over 40 and that's it. You're gone once you're over the hill. He's an old fella, this bloke. I've got a couple of years left up my sleeve, you see. He's at 40. He's over 40. He's been crippled since birth. There is no chance this guy's going to be healed. There's no chance any medicine's going to help him. There's no chance anything else is going to help him. He's gone. So all he can do is beg. But then something beautiful does happen under the gate called beautiful. Look what happens in verse 3. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at me, look at me. I reckon that's where they must have got it from, wasn't it? Kath and Kim, look at me, right in the eyes, he says, look at me. Now, I can't give you any money, mate, but I can give you something that you really need. Look at verse 6. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. It's a bold statement, isn't it? Walk. B 
But notice that he doesn't just stand there and go, okay, mate, leave it to you. Woohoo! Let's see how you go, fella. What's he do? He reaches out, he grabs him by the hand, and he pulls him up. And as he pulls him up, look at verse 7, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Could you imagine that bloke? For over 40 years, he had to be carried everywhere. He wouldn't have even known what the sensation of having your legs is like that. You ask Hadley, he was like that for a number of years. He couldn't move. And then to walk, it would be phenomenal, wasn't it, mate? To walk again. This bloke was here 40 years. Couldn't walk. Suddenly he can. It's no wonder he does the oh, what a feeling jump, isn't it? Toyota might be a decent car, but who cares in the end? Really? If you could walk after being not being able to walk for 40 years, you'd be jumping for joy. Unbelievable. Imagine the motions running through this bloke's head. He's healed. Look at verse 8. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And you can't get that song out of your head, can you? goes over walking and jumping. It goes over and over again. But what this shows again, remember what Luke is saying to us here, evidence-based Christianity. You think this bloke's not healed? Look at what he's doing. He's leaping and jumping and praising God. This isn't a forgery. This isn't a trickery. This isn't some sleight of hand that the bloke's got him for, you know. They went and paid him 40 bucks, mate. Come into the temple, pretend you don't have any legs, you can't stand up, and then we'll get you to stand so everyone can see it. Woohoo! No! The people say, we know that bloke. 40 years he hasn't walked. And here he is now walking. He's physically healed this bloke and he's praising God for it. But you notice that it's not just the physical that's important because Purdy gets up straight away and explains it to the crowd. You see, the crowd are going, that's phenomenal. But Pete says, you know why it's phenomenal? Because look at verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see now see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. You see, this bloke doesn't just get physical healing, he has spiritual healing. He has faith in Jesus. What does faith in Jesus mean? It's belief and trust that Jesus is the Lord and Christ. Remember what Peter said, uh, Luke said earlier? That's what it's about. Jesus as Lord and Christ. This bloke has that and now he's healed internally. He now has faith. He now has been washed clean. Later on we're going to see he's repent and believed. He's had everything taken his forgiveness. is his. He's healed physically and spiritually. And that's the big one Peter focuses on, isn't it? If you go through, we're going to watch in a minute, he doesn't spend a lot of time talking about the fact the bloke can jump around. He spends time talking about what Jesus does internally to us. And you notice too that this bloke didn't have a great deal of faith or didn't have a small amount of faith. We don't know what form it was, but we know he believed. His healing wasn't based on whether he trusted more. He's only just found out about it. It's only just something new to him. He's only probably very new in his faith. And suddenly he's healed. No one came up to him and said, hey mate, look, you don't have enough faith. Sorry, you're not healed because you don't have enough faith. Didn't say that, did they? 
They just reached out and grabbed and he had faith and it's faith that healed him in Jesus. And that's where the focus is. It's not even on the man's faith, it's on the bloke who heals him. Jesus, not Peter and John. Peter and John say, hey, it's not us guys, don't look at us. It's not our power, it's not in me, it's in Jesus. See where the focus is? It's Jesus. And he has joy. Wonderful, wonderful joy. He knows his body's healed, but he knows his relationship with God is healed. And he jumps for joy. What joy he found. Like the joy of a little child when they up, unwrap that Christmas present. Just bursting forth. Like the joy of a man when he sees the love of his life walk into the room. That sort of joy. Like the joy of a grandmother when they get a cuddle from their grandchild. That sort of joy. Like the joy experienced when a sports person wins a grand final. Exuberant, jumping out of your skin joy. Now we've all experienced joy at some time, haven't we? Maybe it might have been one of those things. Well, this man experiences joy when he comes in contact with Jesus, with the power of Jesus. When he puts his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he is overwhelmed. He experiences joy as he experiences Jesus. Do you feel that joy? Now you may say sometimes. You may say always. You may say never. I don't feel it. Because sometimes it's hard to feel joy, isn't it? We live in a world around us where there's just stuff that wants to drag us down all around us. We live in a broken world and that impacts us. But I think when we get, I think we get a glimpse of how we can experience joy and that the joy that comes from that cripple, but also that comes from the explanation that Peter mentioned as well later in the next section. We get a, a picture of it. We get a glimpse of what that is when there is a person who is desperate for healing. He's unable to save himself and even help himself. He can't even help himself. He's almost hopeless and yet he is willing to give it all up to trust Jesus. Give it all up for him. He's willing to let go of everything and put his hand in the hand of someone who loves Jesus. You see, I think we can experience that same joy when we take the same process as that man, when we give ourselves up completely to Jesus. That's when we experience joy. In, in surrendering our complete self to him, that bloke surrendered himself to Jesus and he experiences joy. In surrendering yourself to Jesus, in allowing yourself to be completely at the will of Jesus, is the start of knowing the joy of Jesus. Now I want to tell you this morning that I personally struggle with that. It's not something that I find natural. It's not something that just grabs me every morning and says, Woo! I'm out there! Now some people might have that, but I don't find that. It's a battle for me. It's a battle for me every morning to get up and remind myself of who Jesus is to spend time giving my life to Jesus every morning, to surrender to him, to remember him, to focus on his character and what he's like. And as I do that, and as I keep taking my mind there, then the joy returns because I'm not focusing on all this other stuff that wants to take me away. 
So let me encourage you to surrender yourself each day to Jesus. There's no secret mantra. There's no secret verse that you can just pull out and suddenly I'm going to feel joy. It's about a daily surrender, a daily waiting upon him, a daily sticking out our hand and saying, Jesus, take me, take me. Evidence-based Christianity, it's there, isn't it? This bloke shows it to us. And Peter doesn't leave these people wondering, well, how did it happen? What went on? Well, look what he says. Well, the beggar there in verse 11, he says, Well, the beggar held on to Peter and John. All the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. People rushing to see, coming in from everywhere. What a commotion. It's like when there's a fight in the schoolyard, isn't it? Whoosh! Everyone focuses in on it to see what's going on. Or if there's someone famous walking down the street, whoosh! Or like on Wednesday, I think it was, or Tuesday... Hundreds of people, I mean there's a couple hundred people on the headland looking out for the Queen Mary too that just sort of passed by in the distance. It's a commotion, isn't it? People want to find out. Well, people wanted to know what was happening here. They knew this bloke, 40 years, he's now running around. What's going on, Peter? Well, look what he says, verse 12. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us if by our own power or godliness had made this man walk? It's not us, guys. It's not us. Where does Peter take their attention? Doesn't take it to the cripple, does he? Doesn't take it to someone over there? Doesn't focus in on himself? He says it's Jesus. The focus is Jesus. Remember last week? Last week's sermon? What did Peter do in his preaching? He focused in on Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about you, Sharon. It's not about you out there. I'm sorry. It's all about Jesus. That's where the focus is. The Spirit's focus in Acts 2. What did it focus the people in on? Jesus. That is where we need to have our focus. We can get caught up in all sorts of things out there, can't we? Dragged off in all sorts of directions. All sorts of things can come in and try and be around us, but in the end, it's just all about Jesus. Everything's got to take us to Him. Even the healing itself takes our focus to Jesus. It's a good thing for us to keep in mind, isn't it? Wherever we are and whatever we're doing, that we need to point people to Jesus. When people ask us, I often get people in the streets saying, as I go into the shop, they say, mate, what's happening at your church on Sunday? There's cars lined up and down the road. There's heaps of things happening there. Now the temptation would just say, gee, there's a great speaker there. You should come and hear him. Wouldn't it? Oh, we've got a band now. Turn up because we've got a band. Yeah. No. It's not, we don't have comfortable pews. Don't turn up for that. Well, we will one day. When we have the comfortable pews in, don't say, oh, we've got really comfy pews. Turn up for them. Turn up because this is where Jesus is at. This is what Jesus is on about. People come to this place because they want to know Jesus. They want to experience Jesus. They want to know the love of Jesus. That's why there's cars out in the street, guys. It's good for us to remind, isn't it, that we're not building the extension just because we want to say we've got the biggest church in town. We're building that because we want people to experience Jesus. That's what we're about. That's what Peter's about, isn't he? He speaks about it. He takes it on. He says, guys, look at Jesus. In verse 17, he says, look, he fulfills the whole Old Testament. Isaac, Jacob, they're all there. They're all pointing to Jesus. 
He's saying, guys, the evidence points to Jesus. And he says it points and he says, Jesus is it. And when you meet Jesus, this should be your response. Look at what he says in verse 19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Wonderful promises, aren't they? Repent. Turn away. Don't keep heading down the same path. Get rid of all that stuff. Reboot your hard drive, as Hadley said. Change all that stuff. Wipe it out. Clear it out. And follow Jesus. And you will be forgiven. You will have it wiped out for you. You don't need a program to wipe it out. You need Jesus. You see, the picture here would have been quite graphic because the picture for forgiveness here is the idea of actually wiping a page clean. Back in those days when they wrote, they wrote on papyrus and the ink that they used wasn't an ink that actually soaked in. So what happens is once you wrote on this bit of papyrus, you can actually grab a wet cloth and wipe it off again and wipe it clean. So the picture here that Peter's saying is that's your life. You've got this stuff written on it. You've got all the things that you've done, all the things you've mucked up, all the things you've done against God and in comes Jesus with a wet cloth and wipes it clean. You have a clean page in Jesus. What a wonderful thing that is. And that's worth leaping and jumping for joy for, isn't it? That's worth getting excited about. That's where the the real excitement comes. Jesus is the great healer physically, yeah, but physically is only temporary, isn't it? Physical is only the here and now, but eternally. Forgiveness is forever. That's where the real healing's about. That's what the real excitement's about here. That's what we need to be on about. When you struggle, when I struggle, of being joyous and being excited about leaping and jumping for Jesus, reflect on that fact. Reflect on the fact that we have evidence-based Christianity. It's all there for us. Reflect on the fact that you have a God who loves you so much that he wipes your page clean through Jesus' death and resurrection. That every day you start with a clean page. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? You don't have to go back and dig it all up again. You don't have to go back and spend time turning over it again. It's been wiped clean. You've been made new in Jesus. That's the healing you guys have in Jesus. And now that is real joy. That's worth leaping and jumping and praising God for. Let's praise him. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you heaps, Lord. What a phenomenal thing it is to think when we look back over our lives, when we look... It's uh, what we have done in our lives and the times we've rejected you, the times we've gone off and done stuff that you wouldn't want us to do. Times when we've gossiped, the times when uh, we've had impure thoughts, the times uh, when we've cheated on someone, the times when we've taken money when we shouldn't have done, the times when we've uh, just hurt people when we shouldn't have done, Lord. Times when we've made the focus upon ourselves and not you. Thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness that you bring. Thank you for Jesus, Lord. Thank you that he heals us. Thank you that he makes us clean and right with you for eternity, Lord. 
Lord, help us to know that joy. Help us to experience that joy. Help us to encourage that within one another, Lord. May we know the joy of your forgiveness and salvation through Jesus each day, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.